Hi, and welcome to episode four of my pod, my short fiction podcast, Scott Roche's Omniverse. Uh, well, I say short fiction podcast, that's what it'll be for the foreseeable future. I will be podcasting longer works like Jenny Dare down the road. But for right now, we're focusing on short fiction. And if you've been listening, uh, we are focusing mainly on the anthology Through a Glass Darkly. I know that um, I've been enjoying hearing other people's take on my works and today we're going to hear Dave Subkoyak's take on my story The Good Doctor. Now this short story was originally written for Great Heights. Jeff Height, who is my uh, one of my co-workers at Flying Island Press, had a long-running short fiction podcast uh, weekly I believe, and he would put a prompt out there, and people would write write stories and submit them, and he'd put them out. And those stories are still available, and I will put a link in the show notes. I think it's greatheights.blogspot.com. But uh, anyway, so this story was inspired by that podcast, and uh, it, it's short, but uh, I think I packed a lot of fun into it. I really love weird westerns i love the feel of westerns and i love to inject things into them that uh, are just a little bit different um a good example of one would be cowboys versus aliens i really enjoyed that movie and uh, uh I, I would encourage you to run out and, and rent the dvd so next week we will have my first fiction sale in the podcast feed um, that's going to be Power in the Blood and uh, just want to remind everybody that these stories are all available at Amazon.com um, Smashwords.com and at my own on my own website uh, ScottRoche.com slash bookstore uh, I would appreciate if you if you're enjoying the stories if you'd go out and buy the ebook at least it uh, helps support my writing efforts and makes all this worthwhile. I do this, though, primarily for people to be able to just enjoy my fiction for free. So if you don't have a chance to go buy it, that's perfectly fine. Also, if you're listening to this and you are a podcaster uh, who interviews folks, I would love to be interviewed for your podcast about... Um, Flying Island Press or 52 Weeks of Indie and speaking of 52 Weeks of Indie I am giving away 52 books this year not my own books, other people's books one a week uh, every week for the rest of the year so go to scottroche.com slash thoughts and uh, check that out or on Twitter uh, check for the hashtag 52 Weeks of Indie I'm really inspired by the buzz that I've gotten so far. Lots of authors interested, lots of readers interested, so uh, go check that out. Uh, and if you are interested in getting your voice into the podcast sphere, uh, but you don't have a podcast of your own, I am looking for voice talent to help me out with these weekly podcasts of my fiction. So drop me a line at scott at scottroche.com. So with all of that out of the way, I hope you enjoy the story, and we'll see you next time. The Good Doctor by Scott Roche
Dr. Lewis McGurk finished up yet another wonderful show. He'd sold at least $100 worth of his various potions and concoctions to the residents of this backwards little burg. That would get him to the next sizable town, where he could run his shows indoors regularly for the remainder of the scorching summer. With no small effort, he grabbed the edge of what served as a stage and pushed up. The hinges protested thanks to an accumulation of sand, but once the whole thing was in motion, it went easily enough. He walked forward, running his hands down the painted wood as he did so. The underneath was painted just the same as the side of his wagon was. It proclaimed the contraption to be part of Dr. McGurk's Magical Mystery Tour, and that same, worthy to be a doctor lauded in all of the civilized portions of the world, selling wards against zombies, warlocks, vampires, and all other sorts of abominations that seem to be popping up everywhere these days. Of course, it was the only part of the tour. Once upon a time, he had had a partner and a couple of dancing girls, but they had run off together for cooler climbs. Last he'd heard, they were doing well, and truthfully, he was happy for them. He wasn't selling any less without them, and there was no one to split the take with. With everything safely locked up and in place for the next leg of his journey, McGurk decided to head over to the tavern for a quick nip of what passed for brandy around here. There were still a few hours of sunlight left, so plenty of time for that treat, and he could be fifty miles down the road before stopping for the night. He checked to make sure that he had a few coins on him, along with a double-barreled holdout pistol, just in case. He straightened the cream-colored summer weight suit over his compact frame and placed his broad-brimmed hat carefully in place, covering thinning blonde hair. Satisfied that he was ready as could be, he walked quickly toward the one real street that this place possessed. The swinging doors beckoned him, and the relatively cool air beyond offered respite from the late afternoon sun. One hand thrust out in front of him, ready to push them aside easily. One hand thrust out in front of him, ready to push them aside easily. His face was set with an air that bespoke congenial authority. Before he crossed the threshold, though, a hiss caught his ear. Hey, Doc! Over here! The stage whisper hid the gender of its owner. It came from a nearby alley. McGurk had little fear of being jumped. Old though he was, he could handle himself well in a stand-up fight. That, and he was armed. The pistol in easy reach from a coat pocket and a boot knife nestled snugly alongside his right calf. Combine that with the fact that it was broad daylight and he hadn't been in town long enough to be revealed as a charlatan. He tutted to himself at the pessimism. Perhaps it was a customer that had been reluctant to buy one of his cocktails or poultices in a more public venue. With one hand in his pocket near the gun, he changed course for the alley. He was shocked to see a boy easily one quarter his age, dressed in dingy overalls. Heavy boots covered the young man's feet, and bright red hair poked out from underneath a yellowed kerchief tied around his head. The thing that really got McGurk's attention was the sawed-off shotgun that the boy clutched in his trembling hands. Hey, Doc, bet you never thought you'd see me again. The white-knuckled grip on the gun indicated some level of fear or agitation. But the words were cold and flat. 
The combination sent a thrill of fear through McGurk. This boy would kill him, that much he was sure of. If he twitched too much more, the street sweeper could conceivably cut him in two a little earlier than its owner intended. Easy, my boy, easy. His left hand waved in the air, making what he hoped was a calming gesture. He didn't recall ever seeing this young man before today, but then he had seen so many faces over the years. I'm not your boy. He raised the scatter gun to his shoulder. My name's Josh Singleton, and you're responsible for my brother being dead. Mr. Singleton, my apologies, but perhaps you have me confused with someone else. I have killed no one. There was no way for him to grab his pistol and shoot without risking the boy's gun going off in the process. Let us talk and see how we can right this wrong without violence. Red hair danced as he shook his head. I didn't say you killed him, you old coot, but he's in the ground thanks to you just the same. The hand bracing the shotgun dug into an overall pocket. For a brief moment, the barrels dipped, and it looked like the weight change might cause the trigger to be pulled. Mercifully, though, there was no explosion. Singleton tossed a few pieces of metal toward McGurk, and his hand returned to its place, steadying the weapon. McGurk looked down and saw what he recognized as three slugs glinting in the dirt. The red hair and build combined with the evidence staring him in the face caused something like recognition to click in his mind. He didn't ordinarily sell munitions, but there had been a time when he did. A good deal on some valuable ammunition had been more than he could resist. You told Terry them bullets were silver. You lied. Singleton stepped forward as though that were necessary for him to stand a better chance of hitting McGurk. Missing with that cannon was hardly likely. The good doctor nodded and then realized that could be misconstrued as an admission of guilt. He shook his head. Yes, I, I remember your brother now. There's a misunderstanding here. He told me that he was afraid that there were lupines attacking your cattle. He was looking for silver bullets to take care of them for good. I told him that I had just the thing. His thoughts were running wild, scrambling to remember exactly what had happened. Singleton nodded, face turning red, almost as red as his hair. Uh-huh, so you admit it. No, my friend, I spoke the truth. The bullets are silver, plated. Real silver bullets would simply not work, as they would be far too expensive. I told your brother. The young man stepped forward quickly and pressed the cold metal barrel against McGurk's head, knocking his hat to the ground in the process. On your knees, old man. McGurk did as he was told, sinking to the dirty alley's floor slowly. His throat had gone completely dry. He struggled to think of what to do, but could come up with nothing. The words that he had used to sell snake oil and talk young ladies out of their foundation garments for decades were all gone, driven before the desert wind. He closed his eyes. An echoing gunshot made him flinch, but surely if the youth had pulled the trigger, he wouldn't have heard the report. A whimpering noise and the absence of the cold metal against his skull, along with his continued drawing of breath, reassured him 
he opened his eyes. The younger singleton lay on the ground, clutching his leg. The man beyond him was without a doubt cut from the same bolt of cloth, simply a bit older. McGurk recognized him, though he'd only seen him once. There was a rugged air about him, more than simply the passage of time could account for. Red hair crawled down his face in thick sideburns. There was a lean and hungry look in his face. Stand up, Doc, Terry Singleton gestured with the pistol he had used to shoot his brother. Confused, but glad, he did as he was told. Why? Why? How? He, he said that you were dead. To him and my family, I was. You told me right. Those bullets would only slow down the skin changers. I was too dumb and cocky to listen. There were too many of them, and they overtook me and left me to change or die. It's our way. He gestured again, and this time with a nod. That's what I'm going to do with this one here. Just like I did with Ma and Pa. McGurk took a few steps back. Well, I, I thank you, good sir, for my life. That face cracked nearly in half with a toothy grin. Oh, don't thank me yet, Doc. Soon as he changes, we'll come a-looking for you. I don't hold you accountable for what happened to me, but you'll make a good first kill for my brother here. The hatred he has for you will drive him through the pain. It's the only way he'll survive. McGurk took a few more steps back, nearly out of the alley now. He knew the truth of the man's words. The change was almost always fatal the first time. If you had something to get you through that, then each subsequent change got easier. He watched as Terry holstered the pistol and stepped to his brother. The big red head knelt and spat into his hand, rubbing it into the leg wound. That's all it would take. The next full moon, tonight, by McGurk's reckoning would find him in the throes of his first transformation. That gave the scared salesman just a few hours to get lost. He thought about shooting the older man. The holdout pistol he had did contain two solid cast silver bullets. One through the skull should do it. Even in human form, though, the skin changers were just so fast. If he missed, then his life would certainly end here. If not then he would be safe. There was too much risk. Running gave him a better chance. He spun on his heels and put everything he had in getting to the wagon. Behind him, the throaty chuckle turned into a wolf's howl. Night would come much too quickly. You've been listening to The Good Doctor part of Through a Glass Darkly, written by Scott Roche, narrated by David Sipkoyak. Find out more at www.scottroche.com. <laughs>